And even among Christians today, we're in uh, 1 Corinthians, we are in various places, 1 uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy, etc. Uh, but we find that there, there's this, the balance. So we have, there's a lot of sources, I've got a lot of sources up here, I've got several books, I'm purchased on this topic. But the one source that we, can, we cannot do without, or we can never lay aside, is God's Word. And that is the one, it's, it's always right. It's always correct, and we cannot check our thinking, even though experience tells us something else. We cannot check that, the Bible at the door, to go with our experience. When we talk about demon possession and exorcism, we'll talk about people who have checked their biblical doctrine at the door because they've witnessed some kind of experiential thing that makes they draw a wrong, erroneous conclusion that does not line up with Scripture. We must line up with Scripture. The Bible says in Titus 1-2, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So we have a God who cannot lie, and he has given us in our, wor- our Bibles enough. Well, let's look at 1 Peter, which I will, we'll just start with that. Uh, 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, sorry. 2 Peter chapter 1. Pastor Reynolds, thank you. I have, I have studied probably, I won't say too much. I won't say that at all, but... So many things run through my mind, and uh, typed up 40 pages of notes for Sunday morning sermon, so uh, not just, well, just, so there we are. Let's just go right on. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, according to this, his divine power, has given unto us through these things that pertain to life and godliness, all things. He has given us all things. Why do we think then in the epistles that we have not been ex- Explicitly shown how to cast out demons, or to exercise demons, or to, or to bind Satan, or to cast Satan to the pit. It's because we did not have need of that. If we had had need of that, it would have been part of the teaching of the epistles. When Jesus does all these marvelous things of simply, you know, he doesn't bind Satan and then throw the demon somewhere. He just says, get out, or whatever. No, but you're, cast him out. That's the power of God. No, we are as his children. It's as if we're already seated in the heavenlies in Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 4, or as if we're already there. But Jesus has power that when he was here, and, and well, what about the book of Acts? What about the book of Acts? They were apostles. They were given, only except for Philip, they were given specifically power to do those things by Jesus, and they were to prove that the gospel message was true. I do not see people raising the dead, healing the sick, causing the blind to see, the lame to walk, and the deaf to hear. It's the same category of casting out demons as those other things, apostolic sign gifts to show Israel. We don't hear people because, why? Because it's intangible. If I throw up a demon into the trash can during the service, you can't see a demon. Let me ask you this question. Did the demons, have they ever appeared as the real selves in Scripture? This is just an informational question. I can't think of a time when a demon, a person saw a demon as as a real demon. They always are doing what? inhabiting something. Now, angels took on the form of the men in Genesis chapter 18. How can we cast out something that we have never even seen? So, just a lot of caution. Because you're going to have a lot of people confused. They're They're going to read this. 
they're going to read with this conference at Randy Stanley's church, and they're going to say, oh, it's okay. And people can remain in this condition, and it's okay. I'm telling you, we have to be careful. We have to, whatever the Bible says, that's, where, that's our bottom line. Two, page one, is the Bible enough sufficient for our learning and growth? Yes, it is. It's sufficient for our learning and growth. You don't have to have these, all these pages of notes. The Bible is what we really have to focus in on. And when you find books that keep coming back to the Bible, and look what the books like, that's what kind of books you need to read. Bible first by far. But when you find, you've got it, the Bible has got to be the end, of, the end all for these people who write these books or just put them aside. The focus has to be on the Word of God. Number question number three, would you agree that before we build a theology on spiritual warfare, we must establish a firm understanding of and commitment to the sufficiency of Scripture? Absolutely, yes. We need to. If you're going to build a doctrine on creationism or how do we get here, you need to go to the source. There's but one source for how we, in the beginning was the Word, etc. That's John first John, but... In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Did you know that the Hebrew does not have a word for universe? So, when it comes to John, uh, John Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's as big as you could get. Today, we would say, in the beginning, God created every single star in the entire universe. We might to give us a bigger picture, but that was a sufficient picture in the Hebrew language. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's, done, it's the done deal. We just take it for granted. So if we're going to study how the creation, we have got to come back to the Word of God. I'm going to do a, have another, another center today, might have me come for Bible studies. And so, woohoo! And so, uh, there we go. So I just try to downplay it so, you know, don't get big. We're coming to the center to help. I'm helping the centers. There we go. So, so we find the Bible is sufficient. Page two. I got you some quotes here for you to make you start thinking. We have to realize in the Christian life, we are called to a life of battle, not a life of ease. Called to a battle, to warfare, to wrestle, to struggle. The gospel is always realistic. It never hides any of the truth. It never gives a false impression. It is not a, it is not a true gospel that gives us the impression that the Christian life is easy and that there's no problems to be faced. That is not the New Testament teaching. I'm telling you, I talked with Tom today about this topic. I think it's harder to be a Christian than not be a, than not be a Christian because the people are going to just keep watching you all the time. Are they not? Pastor, people, I should not be doing that. Uh, do people watch you? Yes, they watch me. They watch you. I don't see them watching, they're watching. Those, those, the cats at my house, they ha- I don't know how it is, but they know everywhere. I, c- I can go somewhere and they'll all three pile in. Like the same place, my little small, little four foot, I got this little small bathroom and they all three at the, in the same three. three. I don't understand, but they, they know where I am all the time. It's a little bit eerie sometimes. People know. They're watching you go to work. They're watching you go to church. Oh, there you go to church again. Come back, church about over. There it comes back. Must stay a little bit longer tonight. But they're going to watch those things. So we have to realize this. This Christian onward, Christian soldiers. We we're in a battle. It's a struggle, is it not? It is, and that's the warfare. If you don't know what that warfare is, you're probably not quite involved in it yet. What is the What is the spiritual warfare? I like what McMurray Shane says here in uh, page two. He's spot on. He wouldn't say spot on. Died at 29 years of age. Have you experienced this warfare? For it is a clear mark of God's children. Most of you, I fear, have never felt it. 
Do not mistake me. All of you have felt a warfare at times between your natural conscience and the law of God, but that is not the context of the contest in the believer's bosom. It is a warfare between the Spirit of God in the heart and the old man with his deeds. That is it. What are you going to do? When the temptation time comes, who are you going to put first? What are you going to think about? How are you going to spend your time? Where are you going to watch? What are you going to say? What are you going to read? What are you going to do? Those are all the things. Are you going to set time aside to serve God this day? Or are we going to let the the busyness of this life, one of Satan's greatest tactics of the last few decades, is busyness. But things are not necessarily even bad. They're just... But so busy doing so many things, we're missing out on the best things. Are we prepared for eternity? If, if Habakkuk comes to you in heaven and says, what do you think about my book? Uh, 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 never read it. You never read God's word from me? To, well, you know, I, I was pretty busy. Uh... I, I, I'm gonna be, I'm, I, know, I guess you can't be embarrassed in heaven, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you be a little bit embarrassed? Yes. Uh, Lord, I know you gave us the Bible. I've never, I never read it all the way through. I know it's a love letter from you to me, and, and it, I know it's important, but I think I'm going to be ashamed if that's what I'm going to say. Pastor, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know when you stand before the Lord, it's going to be for rewards or loss of rewards as a Christian and what I could have done and what I actually did. The songwriters really, I wish I had given him more. I really believe, Christian, we get to heaven. Man, I wish I had done a lot more. I really blew it. But Pastor, there's no tears in, there's no tears in the new heaven and the new earth. It doesn't say no tears at the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't even say no tears at the great white throne judgment. It says no tears at Revelation 21, new heaven and new earth. So it behooves us to be serving the Lord. Question number four, back up just a tad. What is the only reliable source of information regarding angels, demons, and spiritual warfare? Of course, that would be the Word of God. If it's the only reliable source on the creation of the world, on the love of God to mankind, on the future destiny of mankind, it's the only reliable source on angels and demons. It's the only reliable source on any of these topics. Is the Bible enough? Absolutely. All errors in Christian theology and practice can be traced back to an inadequate view of Scripture says Jim Osman. The modern church's low view of Scripture is evidenced by its willingness to dabble with psychology, its readiness to absent the Bible from preaching ministry, and its constant pursuit and embrace of extra-biblical revelation. I got a video. I didn't play it tonight for time's sake, but the lady says, I got a revelation last night. Now, I have to say, before I throw her too far under the bus, there are some who believe revelation is simply God, the Holy Spirit illumining my mind and I learned something new. There are some, though, who says, uh, as the late, I believe it was the late uh, Roberts, Roberts, Robertson, Pat Robertson, said, God gave me revelation last night. And he's saying a lot more than simply some kind of Holy Spirit uh, imparted thought. But the revelation is, God has given us his revelation there's no one can say to us and, and truly be truthful and say, God gave me something on par with the Word of God. The Pope cannot speak. He can, but he cannot really. Ex cathedra, whatever he says goes. Just look at the difference. We think that the Catholic Church is all in agreement. They're just a huge disagreements in the Catholic Church. It's not like they're all on the same team. 
Islam's, Islam's not on the same team. If, Islam, if every single person in the world were Islamic, they'd start battling one another then. They already do. Shiites, Sunnis, Sunnis, Shiites, etc. We have got the Bible. We've got to come back to the... If, we've, if you've lost it, come back to it. Uh, in your outline somewhere, it says, would you agree that before you build... We've already read that one. Let's go, let's go right on. Hmm. Let's get to question number four or five, somewhere in there. It is, uh, the, are we asserting something new? Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Theonastos, on the board up here, Theonastos. Only time in all the New Testament this Theonastos is in the New Testament. Very important word to us. Do you think this verse is important to us? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is, you want to put a linchpin corner on something? That would be a, that's a, boom, that's a building block. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Theonastos, it is God breathed. It's not just, and I put this in your outline somewhere there, uh, handy dandy. Uh, it is not just. Some teach it within the pages of Scripture, hidden in the words or hidden in the teaching of the Bible, the Word of God is mystically contained. They would say that it is up to us then to read, experience the Scriptures, in order that we might discover the Word of God contained within. And so I read the Scripture, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That all that inspires me. I'm inspired by it. That's not what it means. Second is the popularized neo-Orthodox, new Orthodoxy movement, mid-20th century, that taught the Bible's experience and passages come alive then, and then only do they become the Word of God as they become alive to us. Or it's mystically held in there. That is not, can I just say, in OT, that is not this word. This word means that God breathed the words himself to the authors of Scripture Every single verbal, plenary inspiration, God breathed every single word for us. It's his book. His book. He used 40 human authors. That's why you have the different writing styles. There's but one author, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, God the Father, all working together. And that's, that's it's God breathed. It's not, and whether you believe it or not, you can burn it till the cows come home. It is still God's word, and it is to be obeyed, whether you obey it or not, whether you believe it's true or not. It's true nonetheless, I can tell you. I, I don't believe gravity exists, so tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going up in a little two-prop praying. I'm going to be 10,000 feet up in the air, and I think gravity is going to be suspended for me, and I'm going to hop out of that plane and just flow along in the air for as long as I want. Will that save me from falling to my death? No. No. I don't like the up and little pains anyway. We, we might, well, the, is the, the Bible? You mean, you mean that old, dusty old thing that people have a, as a crutch? You mean that's, that has some implication on my life? Yes. And we, we have to tell other people, not with this angry, uh, mm, beating them down with, but, Listen, God so loves you, and he gave his only son for us, for me. And the Bible is, but it's always, I found it to be, have you not found the Bible, Mr. Womack, to always be right, to always be encouraging, to always be spot on on everything it talks about? 
Have you not found that, Bill and Karen? Have you not found the Bible to always be encouraging to us? That's what I can, and you can't prove me wrong. You see, my testimony, I can tell you how Christ saved my soul, and you can't countermand that. There's no argument. I can tell you what he's done for me. And I believe I can tell you what he'll do for you if you will place your faith and trust in him. And he's the only answer. What's your other plan? Mark and I have been talking about this Juno thing. I've been trying to get this portable sound system for teaching my classes at the centers. I'm telling you, the plan, I don't know what the plan is going to be. I don't know if I'm ever going to get it or not. We sent the check. They've got the money, but still, I don't even know if they're going to process my order yet. I don't know. I can tell you, I have a lot more confidence in what God has said, and his word's going to come to pass, whether I get that machine or not. And that's what we can share. I know some of you have lost family. I know you're praying for them. I pray for them, too. As God gives us opportunity, let's just start working this thing in. I don't know how long we have. I don't know how long our country's going to survive. But I know who holds tomorrow. And we've had it easy. I just have to say, I've had it easy. What happens if, if the world, if our country, go, you know, we have a, one of those bombs that cuts off all electricity. We don't have electricity. You know, what happens then? We keep serving the Lord. We just have to really adjust, adapt. Other people have given their lives for the cause of Christ. I'm a, I'm a very weak when it comes to that Christian. We've not had to suffer. I'm not wanting to suffer. But he's still God, and we're still going to trust his word, are we not? They take away tax exempt. I'm still giving my money to the church. I trust you are too, etc. Let's go on. We won't get into that avenue of things. Well, let's go right on. Uh, we are up to page, we're on page two, three, four, page number three. Inspiration may God's breathe. It is useful. It is, and according to our text, let's read what the Bible says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's what God has prepared for us, that we would be thoroughly furnished. Uh, it means there to make someone completely adequate or sufficient for something, to furnish completely, to cause to be qualified the, to a means of adequacy. It says here in this book called A Holy Rebellion by Ice and Dean. It says, for here, here, I thought this was helpful. It says, uh, in the ancient world, this word was used to describe a ship that was fully loaded for a voyage or a rescue boat that was completely outfitted and prepared for any emergency. The point is, the Bible claims not only to give us true and accurate information about but all the information we need to handle any and every situation that might arise in our lives. The Bible claims not only to give us true and accurate information, but all the information we need to handle every and any situation that might arise in our lives. That is where, that's what's called the sufficiency of Scripture. In practical terms, when we have a difficulty, here's where we go. It's not, I wait to the last moment, and if, if nothing else, I'll just turn to the Lord then. If nothing else is going to work, that's not it at all. Lord, i got a problem. Can we just talk about it right now? I, I need your help right now. Do you do that? It, it make, doesn't it make a difference. It does. When you, walk, you just walk to the Lord and say, Lord, I need, I need help here, right here. I need this. Please help me with this. Yes.
I would, I would discourage, I would, in vitro fertilization, personally, I feel that there is probably have been, uh, I don't want to, it's a long answer. Anything that destroys a created human being is wrong. And I think there's a lot of children who never live past conception that are going to be in glory, personally, going to be in glory, that never are put in, I'm, no, never put into the mother's tummy, or, you know, to have give birth. And it's, it's a difficult thing, but I would say any, if it prevents pregnancy, fine. But if it ends, terminates a viable human being, I, I'm, I think it's wrong. Just, just wrong, yes. Because at the moment of conception, you are a viable human being. And nine months later, Lord willing, give or take a few days, you're going to be outside the womb just as much a viable human being as you were the very moment God gave you life. I don't have all the answers. That is a very tough question, but I believe that we should not do anything that's going to end human life, period, at any point in time. And there are some who I believe make children who are going to be left and never have a chance to, to go out, grow into some, you know, be a part of a, It's sad. It's, it's a tough question. God is never going to be, never for the ending of a child's life. When he gives life. Only God is allowed to take life. That's, that's, that's the bottom. That's, and I know we would agree, but that's, 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 I would try to tell him. God gives life, and we are never, ever to take life in any way, shape, or form like that. Good question. Uh, profitable. It's the, the Word of God is good for all these. It's good for us to learn and to grow. The very bottom of uh, page 7. i got two minutes. Um, question 7. What Can we have confidence in our source of intelligence? God's Word, absolute confidence. Albert uh, Wilhelmist, a brackle. The bottom of page 3. A household name, I'm sure, at your house. Wilhelmist, a brackle. The Lord has destroyed the devil by his death. That is, he has removed from him all power that he had over his people by making satisfaction for their sins by his death. Amen. He has delivered them out of the hands of the tyrant to whom they had become subject through sin so that he has no dominion over them whatsoever or ever will have. However, in his wisdom, that is God's wisdom and goodness, God has granted Satan some limited power to assault the army of Christ as an enemy so that his children may be exercised in battle and that they may have victory over him while thus engaged to their glory and his shame. It's that where the rubber meets, it's that friction that God wants you not soft-shelled. He wants you to become a, a viable soldier for him. And so he brings stuff into our lives that round off our edges and force us to grow up. Uh, in, in closing, uh, I want to read just one quote in closing, if I can find it here real quick. We are going to stick with the Bible, and next week we're going to talk about some practical things regarding the spiritual warfare. Anytime we base a technique for dealing with demonized people on anything other than the clear teaching of the Word of God, we are doomed to failure. In fact, using any approach based on information not directly derived from the Scriptures is a practice of denial of the authority and sufficiency of Scripture. If I'm going outside, whatever Becky tells me about her experience with that, of binding Satan and throwing him into the deepest pit, I'm, I don't believe the Word of God. I'm going to go with Becky. Whoa! Bad choice. I close with this quote. I love the quote. I'm reading it directly from the book. Let us be clear, concise, straightforward, and gracious as possible. 
I do not care what you've experienced. I do not care what someone you know has experienced. I do not care where your cousin's mother's best friend's uncle's missionary's brother has experienced in some remote tribe somewhere in distant reaches of the Amazon jungle. I do not care what some popular spiritual warfare expert says or what experience suggests or what a demon has said or what an ex-Satanist knows. And neither should you. I'm not trying to discount those things. There are some spiritual warfare things that go on, possibly, I've never had to be a part of. But I'm telling you, this is what we're going with. That's what we're going to go with, and, and uh, that's what we're going to stick with. And if you want to do you can read about experiences. I've read about some really unusual experiences, but I'm telling you, the bottom line is, what does the Bible say about these exorcisms, binding of Satan? Just two or three more weeks, most likely. And what does it say? I want you to know what the Bible says. So when people ask you, you can say, well, the Bible talks about, you know what those were? Those were actual miracles. When they cast out demons, God was doing a miracle by the power of God. We're not God. Now, we've been given a lot of authority, but yes. And you think he's not had 6,000 years of practice? He is so good that he got someone who didn't even know what sin was to sin. And you think he can't get us who know what sin is and sometimes kind of like it? So, I tell you, don't go toe-to-toe. Anyway, toe-to-toe, tail-to-tail, anything like that with the devil. Resist the devil, the Bible says... And then James 4, 7, resist the devil. And he, it's not like go find the devil, attack him and his minions, and throw him into some pit somewhere. I'm telling you, he's going to the pit. It's called the millennial kingdom. He's going to be in the pit for a thousand years. He's not even in hell. Satan's not even in hell right now. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom may devour. Why are we going to go find some lion? And Oh, Mr. Lion, I'm going to box. It's practically theologically, and biblically. We have got to stay right here and not allow experience to somehow dictate our response. God's word's clear. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your love for us. Help us in our thinking not to be, Lord, I do not want any kind of form of uh, grandizing, whatever it is, or show. It's not that at all. I just want us to think clearly and biblically and maybe respond as you'd have us to respond. Give us, give us a love for others. Give us a love for people. Help us have opportunities to share what you've done for us with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Welcome, Mr. Lauderdale. Happy birthday, sir.
Great, that's a good number. You say there's no words in the Hebrew? That's what I heard the guy say on the video. Uh, on the chosen, whenever they pray, uh -huh. they... Is it Greek or Aramaic? I don't know. He says it in English, so I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. But they all, whenever they pray, like before they eat, uh -huh. they, they talk about God of the universe. But they're not. They're not necessarily. They're not necessarily tied to the Hebrew. Well, true. Yeah. Uh, but I. But I've read somewhere that there's something like that in Psalms. Huh. So I'm gonna go. Yeah, you research it. When I get home. I'd watch that. Uh, is Genesis history videos? And had that, yeah. uh, they said it only. There's no word. The Hebrew scholars said there's no yeah. word for universe in Hebrew. So. Yeah. Maybe would it be Greek? <laughs> would it be Greek? Is Greek universe? Genesis 1-1. One, one. But he said there's no Hebrew or universe. Now, okay. maybe in the Septuagint there was, maybe. Yeah. Which is see, the Greek translation. That's Greek. That's what yes, I was wondering. Yes, but Hebrew is not. I'll see that what might I, be the difference right there. I'll see what I can find out. Okay. Thank you. It showed Nicodemus casting out, or trying to cast out, the demon from Mary Magdalene. Nicodemus. And because he was, um, I guess, the chief priest, he was visiting there for in Jerusalem, uh -huh. and uh, he couldn't. Uh, the demons that were in Mary Magdalene, you know, kind of looked at him. You know. Wait, even the disciples should remember that boy. Right. Yeah. That comes by prayer and fasting. Yeah. But who are we to think that we can somehow do but that? then, uh, later on, uh, which I know they do a lot of liberties and stuff, uh -huh. but Paul uh, was just a man, Ruth, Dale, Nicodemus was in the background because they were talking about it. He was watching and he saw the mayor in the background.